Well, if you have your Bible, I want you to, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. We're in a series called Jesus Revealed. Now, the reason that we are, are, are sharing this is because um, most of the Christian world is celebrating this season uh, called Lent. And Lent is a time where the church is meant to walk in spiritual renewal and spiritual vitality, where we turn away from sin and we turn as the church and take a fresh look at Jesus. Now, while we don't celebrate religiously, I believe that the foundationally there is something wonderful that we can learn by saying, hey, we need to sometimes, uh, sometimes and regularly take time to turn away from the things of the world and turn our eyes back to Jesus and say, give me a fresh revelation of who you are so I can live in renewal, so I can live in revival, so I can actually become who you have created me to be. And um, uh, this sermon here today is, uh, I mean, I mean, right on time word. Now, um, I'll just kind of pull back the curtain a little, little bit. Uh, for me as a, a pastor and an orator, as somebody who regularly declares God's word, I always want to have God's time stamp on messages because you don't just need principles. You need a right now word from God. I need God to speak to me right where I'm at, right, you know, right what I'm going through, right what I'm facing. And so, um, you know, I, I, I do my best, and I, I feel like the Lord gives me some clear direction, and I begin to follow the clear direction, and I get inspiration, and I'm writing things down. Uh, but like any time, like anybody, aren't you grateful when God gives you a, a, a little nugget and says, hey, by the way, you're tracking. Hey, by the way, you're, 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 you're actually hearing from me. That's, that's wonderful. Well, that happened to me. At 5.30 this morning, at 5.30 in the morning, I went to our daily Bible reading program. We're about, you know, we're uh, 91, 92 days into our uh, reading the Bible through in one year. And wouldn't you know it, on the very day that I am preaching a message on the feeding of the 5,000, our reading today is on the feeding of the 5,000. Now, that shouldn't come to a surprise because all of you are reading the Bible through in one year with us, right? No, 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 you're not. All right. All right. Well, it's time that you just get right in and get, jump in. Jump in. Get on, the, uh, on that Bible app and, and just begin to read through God's Word. And I'm telling you, He'll give you a right now Word. Now, uh, if you have your Bible, I want you to go to Mark chapter 6. You, are, you can also follow along in the Bible app. All the notes are are, are there in the Bible app for you. Uh, this is a famous passage. Now, listen, the danger with any story uh, that you possibly have heard before is that when I bring up and tell you what it is, you check out. You, you, you say, oh, the feeding of the 5,000, and this is what you say. I've heard this before, and I'm checking out, and I'm, 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 I'm scrolling on my phone, and I'm doing different things. I got that, I got that. Uh, Jesus said, be careful how you hear, because even what you think you have will be taken away. 
That's what he says in Luke chapter 8 in the parable of the sower. And so what I want you to do today is I, I, I can assure you that what I'm going to say today is going to come from a little bit different perspective. And I'm going to help you to see some things from this very familiar passage. And it begins by saying this, Mark 6 verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, they said, and it is already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You give them something to eat. Then they said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on, on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Now, uh, this is a fantastic story, an account that is recorded in all four Gospels. Listen, when God says something once, you should listen. Twice, really listen. Three times, man oh man. But four times, God is saying, there is something I want you to learn. There is a revelation from this story. And I'm going to give you uh, what I believe God wants to say to us today. And that is this. In this story, Jesus is revealed as a multiplier. He's revealed as a multiplier, but maybe not how you think. And by the way, today's message is not about money. It's not about money. So all of you who are getting twisted in your seat and saying, oh no, here he goes, he's going to talk about money. No, I'm not actually. There are principles from this passage that you can apply toward money and you will actually get biblical results, but that's not the primary message from this miracle. Jesus revealed himself to be a multiplier, multiplier, but I want to set the stage. You see, every miracle has an atmosphere in which it takes place. 
And there is an atmosphere in which you will encounter Christ as a multiplier. And if you want to know what that atmosphere is today, it's very simple. It's actually connected to the mission of Calvary where we say, uh, where we say together we extravagantly love Jesus. And here it is, we selflessly love people. You see, selflessness is the atmosphere of multiplication in the kingdom. Selflessness is the atmosphere of multiplication in the kingdom. And here's why I'm telling you that. In Mark 6, 30 and 30 through 32, it says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all the things, both what they had done and they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while, for there are many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in a boat by themselves. The backdrop of this miracle is this. Jesus has sent his disciples out with some very specific instructions. He says, all right, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Here's how you're going to do it. Don't take an extra walking stick. Do not take an extra pair of shoes. Don't take an extra pair of clothes. Don't take extra. And don't take food. He tells them, don't take food. He says, when you get to a place, you eat what's set before you. He's saying, I am going to supply your need in this area. So he says, don't take it. Don't carry it. You're going to have to trust me. Now, they've gone on this mission trip. They have, they have uh, lived in faith, and they have done what Jesus told them to do, and they have lived that way. But can you imagine that they weren't doing this and flying home. They weren't doing this and then, then driving home. They, they, they did what Jesus said and they walked home. And the last place they had something to eat was the last place they were ministering. And they were walking and walking probably through the night. And they probably had arrived during the day, probably early in the day. And they get back, and they're what? The scripture says they're hungry. Why are they hungry? They're hungry because Jesus told them to take no food. They're tired. Why? Because Jesus sent them on a mission trip using their feet. He doesn't say get a horse, get a chariot. He says go and don't take an extra pair of shoes saying, hey, you only need what's on your feet to go and do what I've told you to do. They had to be totally selfless. But what did they do at the end of, of, of Jesus' teaching? It says this. When the day was far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place. Already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Oh, sure. It's all about the people, isn't it? 
I mean, after all, if you really understood this great crowd of people, 15,000 in number, they showed up at Friday at 4.59 right before they were leaving on vacation. Jesus said, come on, we're going to take some time. We're going to recharge. We're going we're to eat and we're going to rest. And at 4.59, they're about to get on their vacation with Jesus. 15,000 people showed up. You ever have somebody show up at the last minute at work? I mean, you had everything collected. You were ready to get out. I mean, and you're looking at them going, I know I'm supposed to be nice to you. <laughs> but you're interrupting my Jesus vacation. You're in the way of me getting satisfied. What does Jesus do when those people showed up? He had compassion on them. Instead of letting his own disciples step into a moment of selfishness, he actually led in selflessness. He is actually teaching them a lesson that if you will live in selflessness, it will position you for multiplication in the kingdom. Have you ever had a moment when you were tired, you were hungry, you were to the end of your rope, By the way, from obeying God, from doing things the way he told you to do them, and you're weary and about to rest, and then your phone rings. Let me just tell you, in my life, what I have found, and I want to invite you into this kind of journey, what I have found is that when I am weakest, God is about to show up in great strength. When I have nothing left, when I, ha when I know that I need to recharge, when I know that the Sabbath is a gift and that I can get recharged in the presence of God, but I do need to pull away, I do need to, to take hold of the principle of the Sabbath so that I will have continually something to give. But there are moments where God says, listen, don't listen to your flesh. Don't follow your flesh. And listen, church, in this season where we're believing God for multiplication, where we're believing Believing God for increase and a harvest, it's not time to listen to your flesh. It's not time, time to say, I'll witness to them when my belly's full. I'll witness to them when, when the clothes are on my back. I'll witness to them when it's convenient. No, God is saying, no, the atmosphere for multiplication is actually selflessness. And if you would dare to pray for somebody when you're weakest, you might see your greatest miracle. They're tired because they were obedient and used by God. And they're hungry because he told them to take no food. And they said, send them away. But notice what Jesus says. You give them something to eat. What? Jesus. 
Jesus, you told me, take no food. We just showed back up. Why are you asking me who is being obedient to give them something to eat when you know I've got nothing to eat? It could be that he is not trying to reveal themselves to them, but he is trying to reveal himself to them. You see, selfishness could have robbed them of a miracle so significant that it's in all four Gospels. A fresh revelation of Jesus would be revealed just on the other side of selflessness. Have you ever had a moment where, self, where selfishness got in the way of a miracle? I have. I remember a time when I was in Tennessee. We were just there with the students right next to the Great Smoky Mountains, you know, and there's an entrance to the park there and a visitor center, and they can tell you where the best uh, hiking trails are, the best, uh, you know, waterfalls, the best sights to see everything, and, and we're so excited, and it's one of my first times ever being there, and I go to this visitor center, and I'm thinking, man, I can't wait to go inside and see what's there on the inside, and then we're going to go hiking, and we've only got so much time during this day, you know, so we got to get to the place where we're going to hike and then we got to be out of the mountains, you know, before dark so we don't get eaten by black bears. You know, I got all this stuff going on in my head and we pull up in the parking lot and I see this guy passing out material and God told me, go talk to him. And I'll be honest, this was years and years and years ago. I, I got out of the car and I was like, la, 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 la. La, la. And as I got closer, I could see that this guy was actually uh, sent, uh, giving out um, material that was telling people that all paths lead to heaven. If you're familiar with it, there's an idea called Ekinkar. And there, he, there he's passing out this material to all of these people who are going into the mountains, many of them in high places, to go and, and, and have a new age experience. He's inviting them into a new age experience. And I saw that, and I'm like, oh, I only have so much time. I only have so much time. I'm on vacation. I only, we only got, I mean, the sun's going to go down, you know. And I, I remember the troubling of the Holy Spirit saying, you need to talk to him. And, and, and I went inside, and I got the map and said, yeah, hey, guys, we got to go. We got to go. And then we get back in the car and leave. I, I'm just going to tell you, there was nothing that I could really enjoy the rest of that vacation. Because all I could think about was this guy. Matter of fact, we never went back to the, the park. Not that vacation. But I saved money, and I said, one year from now, I will be back in this same location. And these people, they set up in the same location all the time. You can see them there year after year, and they're always trying to, so they'll always be in the same location. So one year later, not thinking about self, not thinking about anything else, I'm, I'm driving there, I get in the parking lot, and he's not there. And there in that parking lot of the Great Smoky Mountain Park, I just cried out for mercy. I said, God, I need your forgiveness. And I need you to send a servant to go and speak to this man that you told me to go and speak to, and I never did. I will never know. Now, listen, I'm not in condemnation over it because there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. I'm forgiven and free. But I am a guy who learns a lesson. 
who says, you know what, I don't ever want to step into another moment like that again where selfish, selfishness robs me of a potential miracle from Christ. And I want, I, want, I want to encourage those of you in this room who are beginning to get the stirrings of God in your heart of saying, God, would you allow me to be a part of a multiplied growth of the kingdom of God, a multiplied impact for the kingdom of God? If you are, then the atmosphere of your life is going to have to be selflessness. Now, when, when we look at this story, there's two Things that Jesus multiplies. And I want you to get this in your spirit today. The first one that Jesus multiplies is the fully given. The fully given. He gives, he multiplies the fully given. Mark 6, 37 through 38, it says, but he answered, you give them something to eat. Then they said to him, uh, that would take more than a, a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that on bread and give that to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Now, when you read this from John 6, you find out that Andrew, uh, one of the disciples, he, he, he actually got the food from a young boy. And he says, uh, there is a lad who has five barley loaves and two small fish. And then he asks a very profound question. But what are they among so many? What are they among so many? This little boy that day gave all. Now, you know, just in my mind, I mean, if there are 15,000 hungry people, and you see one boy with a Lunchable, and Jesus is asking, go and see how much food we have in this 15,000 people, and Andrew, who is Peter's brother, by the way, they got to be somewhat, somewhat alike. I know that Jesus said, this is a man without any guile, but man, I bet, he was, I bet he was feisty, just like Peter, okay? He probably walked over there, saw that little Lunchable, and said, give me that. <laughs> Jesus needs it. Notice what he didn't do. He didn't say, hey, I'm going to keep part of this. It was fully given. You say, what does it matter, though, when, when something so little was given in comparison to the need that was so much? I want to tell you, God loves to take fully given gifts and use them for his glory. God loves to take the little and use it for his glory. I want you to understand today that if you have ever felt like I'm the five barley loaves and two fish in a world that is hungry for God, but what is so little amongst this great need? I'm here to tell you Jesus loves to take and multiply the fully given. It's not just talking. You don't need a revelation about how the disciples behave. You need a revelation that you are a sack lunch. 
And that Jesus could take five loaves and two fish. If you've ever felt like, man, I'm not a preacher, I'm not an orator, I'm not a millionaire or a billionaire, I'm not a philanthropist, how in the world is God going to take so little and give it to a world that's confused at every corner. They, have no, they don't have a sense of who they are or how they were created. There's so much confusion. The numbers of babies aborted rises higher and higher every day. The, there's wars, rumors of wars, sickness and pandemics. And we say, I'm just a bag lunch. But God says, will you be fully given? Will you be fully given? God loves to take the unqualified and make them qualified. He loves to take the unlearned and transform them and let their lives confound the wise. In church, if we learn anything from Jesus, the multiplier is that all he needs is a life that's fully given. He's not looking for a laundry list of gifts. He is not looking for a lot of letters and dots after your, your name uh, that, that is pertaining to your education. Your, your effectiveness in this life is not directly connected to how much you know. Your effectiveness is connected to who you know. There was another time in Mark chapter 12 where Jesus was in the treasury and he was watching people give. And it says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where offerings were being put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. I have this question. How could he say this, this poor widow put in more? Is he just talking about percentage? No. He is not. He is talking about here is a woman who gives all. And when I find a person who gives all, there will be an anointing on what they give and it will multiply. Listen, church, God needs some people in this hour who will be fully given. I, I, don't, I don't care where, what your background is. I don't care. You know, some of you, you know, we, we kind of, uh, we get trapped in some thinking that says, you know, if I don't have a history in an area, I won't be able to minister to people. If I don't have a history of prostitution, I won't be able to reach prostitutes. If I don't have a history of drug addiction, I then can't reach addicts. Now, God can use your story for his glory. He loves to do that. But I'm here to tell you, if your life is fully given to God, the power that will rest on your life will be enough to see captives set free regardless of your history. Why? Because you're not giving them your story. You're welcoming them into his story. And this is what this woman did. She gave all, and he says, there's an anointing resting on these two coins that is going to shift what's going on in the temple. It's going to change. There's a grace on it. 
She gave more. God is going to do more with that willingness to give all. Now, in the church, we have two reminders given by God to the church to be fully given. If you're a a, a student of, of theology, you would call these ordinances of God. There are There are two things that God ordains that we still participate in that remind us to be fully given. First thing, we did it earlier. It's called communion. Communion is a reminder that Jesus was fully given to us. He was fully given, not halfway given. His suffering was immense. He was marred more than any other man. He's, he was there on the cross, not dying because of, 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 of blood loss. He was dying because he couldn't breathe. And he had to press up on the spikes in his feet just to get a breath. And he hung there six hours suspended between heaven and earth. You need to understand that communion is about remembering Jesus was fully given to you. But the other ordinance is baptism. And this is a reminder to the church and a declaration to the world that we, in response to the cross, are fully given to Jesus. You see, when we go into the waters, it's like it's like entering in to his death. When we go under the waters, it's like his his burial. When we come out of the waters, it's his resurrection. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You see, communion is a reminder to be fully given, but so is baptism. Boy, every time you see somebody get baptized, you ought to say, oh man, that's me. I'm fully immersed in him. I'm fully immersed in him. He changed my name. He changed my life. He changed everything about me. And Jesus loves to multiply the fully given. Regardless of your assignment, your fully given life to Christ will be multiplied for his glory. Now, Jesus also multiplies the obedient giver. He he multiplies the fully given and the obedient giver. Now, Here's what it says in Mark 6, 41 through 43. It says, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up into heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves and he gave them to his disciples to distribute uh, to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all and they, they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. Now, Jesus takes... Five loaves, two fish, looks up to heaven, he blesses it, he breaks it, and then he gives it to disciples. Now, at this point, the disciples have even less than they brought to Jesus. Why? Because he divided the five loaves and two fish and put it in their hands. And they had one job. Go and feed 15,000 people with less than what you gave. And it would be like, Mark, come up here. 
love this. Mark is here. I'm actually preaching out of the gospel of Mark. So Mark is there. He's been listening to Jesus. Say, everybody say, hey, Mark. And so he's been listening to Jesus all day. He's one of the 5,000 men that are there. And you can imagine the disciples see Mark. And they're like, man, that dude looks like he can eat. <laughs> all right, Jesus, he's in my group of 50. So uh, better give me a big piece of fish and bread. And um, they look down and it's less. Are you done, Jesus? Is that it? He's like, yeah. Go give it away. And so the disciples inch over and they're looking at Mark and they're like, man, this guy. Okay. Take a really little piece. I said a little piece. And as he takes the piece, they look down and it's multiplied in their hands. And suddenly they, they, they begin to go to the next, okay, you can have some, and you can have some, and you can have some, and you can have some. And the multiplication happens in their hand. When they obediently give, now don't go anywhere. So... When a man or a woman comes to Christ and they say, all right, I'm going to be fully given, Jesus receives them. He blesses them. That's called grace, God's undeserved favor. He blesses them. But then he breaks them. You say, God breaks us when we give our lives to him? Yes. Why? Because when we came to him, we were full of things that would keep us from his presence. Full of sin, full of addiction, full of things that we've been relying on our whole life. God breaks them, puts that to the side, saying, I've paid for all of that. And he gives us back what we think is less. And then he says to us, Go give. It'll be more than enough. Go give. It'll be more than enough. And, and here we are. We're going, how can I minister to so many with, with this? When you have a revelation of Jesus the multiplier, you understand that his blessing on your life will cause multiplication as you go in obedience. It will multiply, and I love this. They gathered up 12 baskets afterwards. Why 12? You say it was for all 12, all 12 disciples, so they got a, a, you know, a, a take-home bag. No, 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 no. You, just like a Gentile to think that. <laughs> the reason there were 12 baskets left over is because there were 12 tribes of Israel, and God was saying, there is more than enough. There is more than enough. Of what I have to give for this whole nation to be born again. And I want to tell you, God is looking for some people who will allow God to receive them. 
To bless them through his grace and the work of the cross and the fullness of his spirit. To take out those things which we have been relying on for far too long and take them to the side and say, I'm going to give you back what is necessary. It's going to feel like less. Just go and give it knowing that as you go and give, it'll be multiplied for my glory. That is the picture of Jesus, the multiplier. And that's what God wants to do. In you, in all of you, every single person. Thank you, Martin. You see, we've got to give away the work God has done in our life. We've got to give away what God has supplied. Multiplication in the kingdom will be released as we trust that what Jesus has done in us is enough when we obediently give it away. There was a moment when Elijah had called down a drought on Israel. His, his creek dried up. He had no water and no food. And he said, go, God said, go to Zarephath. I have commanded a widow there to supply for you. Only when he got there, God hadn't told the widow yet. God had commanded her, only she didn't know it. And when Elijah got there, he saw the widow and he said, she was collecting sticks, going to make her last meal and was about to die. And, and she's like, She's like, wait a minute. I, he's saying, hey, could you go inside and make me a little cake? And she says, no. I'm a widow. I have my son. We're eating the last little bit for ourselves. And then we will die. I mean, she's really positive. Very encouraged. And this is what Elijah said, don't be afraid, go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me and what you have and bring it here to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the earth. And she did as Elijah had told her. And so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. And I want to tell you that God is saying today, listen, don't be thinking about only yourself. It's the time where we have to be fully given and we have to be obedient givers. It's not going to make sense in the natural. It's not always going to add up in the ledger. But I promise you, as you are obedient, to do what God has told you to do in putting him first and saying, God, I am going to give away this work that you have given in my life. Here's what we're going to know. We're going to see the supply never run dry. It's never going to end. I love it that God uses this miracle to mark the end of a drought. And I would like to say this to you, as you obediently give away the work that God is doing in your life, the spiritual drought of this region is going to break.
He says, I'm going to supernaturally supply to you. I'm going to multiply the work of God through your life if you'll be fully given and an obedient giver. This is how I'll end this today with this one statement that the Lord said to me. And I believe he's saying it to all of us. It says, don't live only aware of your petition. Live obediently distributing what God has given, given you, trusting for multiplied possibility. Don't just live saying, God, I'm here again. I need, I need, I need, I need. No, say, God, I trust. I trust. And I'm going to give away this good work that you've done in my life. I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to pray for the sick when I don't feel like praying for the sick. I'm going to believe God for breakthrough. I'm going to be a voice and a light. I'm going to give generously. I'm going to love overwhelmingly and God says and I'll multiply it again and again and again 